Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. Back at the end of 2019, we ran a survey amongst our team to understand better how their mental health was affecting them on a day-to-day basis. One thing that became really clear was that our team weren't comfortable taking time away from work because of their mental health. Typically, they'd power on through even if they weren't feeling up to it, or perhaps book a sick day to give them space to focus on their own well-being. In response to this, we knew we needed a better way to give people the opportunity to prioritise their mental health and reduce the stigma that often surrounds it. So we introduced personal days. A sick day, but for your mental health. We now know that this has helped reduce the stigma around mental health within our organisation. People using sick days when it comes to mental health dropped from 50% to 13 And we feel really good about that. But we know we've still got a lot of work to do. Specifically around helping our leaders in the business have more conversations with their direct reports on the topic of mental health. So today, we're going to look at just that. How do you get your team talking about their mental health? And to do that, I have the one and the only James Routledge founder and CEO of Sanctus. Hello, mate. How are you? Hi. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to have you. I mean, I feel like for a topic like this, there was really only ever one person that it was going to be that we wanted to, to, to talk with. Give me a quick snapshot of, you know, what lockdown, what COVID uh, has been like for Sanctus. Well, firstly, that's very, uh, very nice and very good to hear. Um it's been, yeah, it's been pretty wild, to be honest. We've, um, I mean, we've survived. We're still, we're still here. We're, we've grown, we've grown throughout it. I think we feel very grateful and very fortunate to be in a niche of businesses that um, are providing a product and an offering that's really needed right now. So, you know, we feel like we're really serving a need and, and we're serving the market, which is really cool. It's good to feel like we're helping um i mean at the same time we've we've kind of fundamentally changed in many ways we've we've gone from delivering all of our in-person coaching sessions face to face to now delivering them all virtually um we're noticing stuff across all of our partners around employee engagement willingness to engage over zoom um you know uh, managers in organizations feeling particularly stressed and strained so we've we've seen lots of gaps in our offering and and other opportunities for us to provide value and support and train and educate so yeah we've gone through quite a pivot really actually during it Mm. Uh, and then obviously we've had the challenges internally of um you know supporting our team keeping everyone engaged asking ourselves in this moment of great pause really like what do what do we want how do we want to work going forwards what what are these new existential questions we might be asking ourselves 
Um, and yeah, just trying to recalibrate to a, a really volatile market and a, and a, a strange and difficult time, really. Uh, I love that you mentioned, you know, this moment of great pause. I think um, it's a really, really philosophical and really wise way, I think, to look at the last five, six months. But tell us, for those that don't know, what does Sanctus do? So we were started out of a, a born out of a movement, really, which I suppose I started I started the business uh, after sharing my own story with my own mental health after um, really struggling with anxiety, panic attacks in the wake of shutting down my first business. And out of me sharing my story, sort of went on this this mission to just get more people to engage with mental health, talk about mental health, and and really Sanctus is the manifestation of of that mission. It's like, look, we all have mental health. Let's work on our mental health like we do our physical health we've got this big north star vision to put the world's first mental health gym on the high street um and then in the last three or four years i suppose we've be, we've specialized and become experts in partnering with businesses to support them to support their employees with their mental health um so initially we've done that with our kind of flagship product which is sanctus coaching which is how what we like to call it is like putting a personal trainer for your mental health in the business and making them accessible for anyone to have a conversation uh, about their mental health with someone. And then more recently, we've kind of developed our offering to, to be more of a holistic partner, really, and partner with a business all the way from kind of designing their mental health offering all the way through to delivery with uh, multiple different products, whether it's trainings, coaching, um, workshops. And that's really what's uh, been born in COVID, to be honest, because we've seen, look, you know, we've got this great product in Sanctus Coaching, which is a really proactive and preventative uh, mental health in the workplace solution. Yet, it's not businesses need more than that, right? They need they need a whole sort of 360 offering. Um, yeah, so that's what we do. Um, alongside that, you know, do a load do a load of content. Very active on social media. Very uh, kind of mental health activists in a way, I suppose. Uh, and also, I'm I'm writing a book about mental health in the workplace uh, with Penguin that's that's going to be published next year as well, which is exciting. What what a bio! What a bio! <laughs> um, amazing. So yeah, if you you know if you're passionate about mental health in the workplace and don't follow James on on Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, make sure you go and do that. So, what is it about mental health that makes it so difficult for us all to talk about? I think when I think when you ask that, I, I sort of straight away think about my own experience. Really, I mean, over the last four years, my confidence in talking about uh, mental health has, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exponentially increased, really. But if I look back, you know, to to when I was struggling with my mental health and when I'd never opened up about it before, I was I was deeply frightened um, about um, sharing um, a really fragile part of myself. Um, and in the workplace, and, and for me at that time in the startup world, which is which was my workplace, that just wasn't done, or it wasn't the done thing. So I didn't. It felt quite unsafe to do that. So um, just a lot of vulnerability, basically. Um, and over time, that's become a lot easier for me because I felt become much more confident. Yeah, even now. You know, I was I was struggling with my mental health at the start of the year, actually, uh, to do with my role in the business. 
and um my mental health was affected still right like I still didn't talk about it I still sort of hid it away I still felt quite isolated so even now you know when I, I might see myself as someone that's quite articulate or articulate around my mental health it's, it's still difficult because we're exposing you know our vulnerable side or something we're afraid of or something emotional or a, a time where we feel fragile or naked or alone so um it's just inherently difficult for that reason and um, it can become easier I think as we individually become more sort of confident and equipped to express ourselves and it and it can also become easier when our environment creates the container for us to feel able to kind of share in a safe way um so I think it's kind of always going to be hard if that makes sense um but I think there are a lot of a lot of things we can do to make it easier Hmm. Very, very honest opinion, and I appreciate that. And I think, yeah, as I reflect on 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 my own journey, you know, I think I feel very similar to you, which is that I like to think that I am someone that is capable and happy to talk about my own mental health. But there are still moments where I don't. And there are still moments when I when I shy away from it, you know, like um it isn't it's never easy. It's no it, it's always a challenge. Yeah, someone once said to me that, that vulnerability never gets easier and it's always stuck with me because of course you can't get good at being vulnerable. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think often sometimes people can put on a bit of and I can do this, put on a bit of a cloak of vulnerability, like play that card. Whereas maybe you know, I'm not truly saying how it is. So, yeah, it never gets easier. But I, I do think, um, you know, we can all create the conditions where um, we can create an environment where having a conversation about how we feel or our mental health is, is easier, right? Um, and and much, and, and just culturally okay as well. It's normalised. I think, I think, you know, that can definitely be done. It doesn't mean that having the actual conversation will feel really easy, but at least it's possible and it's available. And I think, uh, especially as employers, that's... Uh, I believe that's a, that's a kind of it's definitely becoming a necessity. Mm. Create a culture of vulnerability. I think that's absolutely spot on. Who do you think yeah. struggles more to have the conversation? <laughs> is it the manager or is it the team member? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult to say which which more. I think um, you know, this is such a complex, varied topic that there are you know so many variables that that can come into play I think on the one end for employees there can be a sense of powerlessness and hopelessness and this feeling of of judgment right of like if I share I'm not going to get that promotion I'm going to lose my job I think that's the level to which people can catastrophize especially when they're feeling quite fragile or, or really struggling um but then again if you look at a manager same problems I'm going to get judged right from both ends, I'm going to get judged from my employees, from my direct reports, and I'm going to get um, judged from my managers. So, so the same thing, really. So I think ev- everyone actually struggles equally, probably, to to have the conversation. Um, I would, though, if I was to have, if I was to put my sort of money where my mouth is on it, I think I would say that leaders struggle more, um, because the stakes start to get higher in my experience. Uh, so if you go all the way up to the top to the CEO, let's say, or the founders or, or the C-level team, 
uh, that just the world gets a little bit smaller, right? There's there's less people to open up to. There's more responsibility. There's pressure from the bottom up, from the organization and the top down, maybe from the shareholders or the market. So I think it gets harder for managers and leaders because there's a, there's whether there's a, an actual responsibility or a perceived <laughs> responsibility, it's, um, yeah, I think the stakes become a little bit higher and, and there can be greater feelings of isolation and the, and the cost of being vulnerable can, can feel heavier. Whether it is or not, that might just be that person's feeling, but it can definitely feel heavier. Yeah, it's really interesting. I guess I want to isolate the two parts to this. So the first part is the sharing. The second part is is the person that's listening, the person that's absorbing that vulnerability and, and, and experiencing it. And, you know, I think the most valuable conversations at the end of the day typically happen one-on-one where there's connection, there's, you know, the, the right favorability, the right focus for that conversation to happen. And so I'd also love your opinion on the, the manager, the leader, listening to the team member um, be vulnerable and share and talk about a really personal topic because I don't think we've nailed that either. I don't think we've equipped managers particularly well to, no. to, 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 to be great listeners and to absorb that in the right way. I think it's, a, it's also, just before we go inside, I think it's a really fine line of a manager understanding their boundaries, right, of knowing at what point is this a conversation of a manager to employee and at what point does it move into, you know, coaching's been used in the workplace much more in the last 10 years, but then at what point does, does the manager start to feel out of depth, basically? You know, at what point do they hit a, they hit an entrenched pattern or they hit a block that they just cannot move through or that other person just doesn't feel like they want to be having that conversation with the manager. So I think first first things first, I think, you know, there needs to be a lot more education done to, to support managers in feeling like they know what their boundaries are, what the boundaries are and where they feel comfortable and then equipping them to be able to say, right, once, it, once I hit this edge, I noticed that I start to feel like this and at that point I might want to signpost someone on or um, yeah, just kind of um, bring the conversation to go, to go a different way. I think that's really important. It's a real skill as well to know that and to notice in yourself when you feel uncomfortable, right? Like as a manager, you might be like, oh shit, like this conversation's not, I feel out of my comfort zone here. I feel out of my depth. I can't, you know, this has come up over and over again. I just can't help X with this and maybe they need another kind of space whether that's therapy counseling or um or coaching in another form um but then yeah to your point i think we can do a lot more to equip people managers or not with with basic community like sort of human (laughs) human communication skills that i think you know we've probably lost and, and you do need to train them like you know to, to, to really listen to deeply listen um you know fully to someone not just like with your head but to listen with your body let's say and like notice you know that you know your shoulders sink when someone says something or you tighten up when someone says something to so really listen fully is is a skill that, that you have to be trained to do um so i think yeah i think managers can can be equipped uh, a lot more and um 
and then again to also create spaces and, and relationships with their direct reports where they even feel able to have a conversation like that at the start right you know to, to frame it in the right way to and um, for maybe you know a manager to share a little bit of themselves so that it feels safe so there's some sort of permission there um yeah it's a whole art form really that's why that's why therapists you know go to training for 10 years and go in therapy once a week uh to guess essentially dismantle themselves and put them back together to to be able to to do this healing work and it's why coaches also go on uh you know long trainings to to do this And, and actually most managers get some support but depends on what business you're in sometimes you know especially if you're a young manager it's like you actually learn just from the management you've had really for for a lot of people um i know for me in my in my uh you know in my sort of journey going going up through the the ranks of starting a business it's like i'm kind of making it up really or i'm i'm having a few coaching sessions or i'm reading a few books but i never i've never been on a, a training to you know to be a manager um especially around mental health so it definitely feels like this is coming up more and more something we're seeing across most of the most of our partners about the manager demographic in particular because they're in such a pivotal role um in the organization probably got so much influence really if you took you know know, touching the whole the whole employee base probably on some level uh, and feeling right now i would say across the board pretty under supported so let's just stay with that for a second what sort of training would you be giving or suggesting to managers yeah i think there's i think there's a couple of things um certainly when you start to um explore your own mental health and work on yourself right you go on that journey yourself whether that doesn't have to be coaching or therapy it could be um whether it's through journaling meditation whatever it might be definitely when you go on that journey you increase your range to be able to support others and um you just increase your levels of empathy right because you know you've explored your own uh feelings of anxiety right like if i've never felt anxious in my life and someone comes to me and says i had a panic attack yesterday i'm gonna i will just have you know, they may as well have come to me and said, like, I'm an alien because I just won't be able to connect at all. And it doesn't mean that I've had to have had a panic attack to understand that someone's had a, who's had a panic attack. But if I've started to, you know, if I know what it feels like for me to feel anxious and I know that maybe my palms get sweaty or whatever, I'm just going to be able to empathise more with someone who's experienced that to a much higher degree. So um, I think definitely for managers to start to explore their own mental health and I think ideally work with a coach and possibly even work with a therapist to, yeah, to just explore their own mental health basically. And then you develop your range to support others more. Um, and then I think if possible, employers can, can provide trainings for managers. You've got a lot of employers, you know, doing mental health first aid or doing specific, yeah, just management training, right? You know, you can, you can do skills based training listening exercises asking certain questions um you know i went on a i did a coach fundamentals training a couple of years ago and it stayed with me ever since it was two and a half days 
it was a, it was absolute basic stuff, right? Like if you not not that it no, I'm not belittling it, but it was it was asking questions and it was listening, and um, and it stayed with me for for a long time because it's you know to to learn how to ask questions in a in a powerful way that open people up or get people to see a certain side is is a just an incredible life skill actually. Never mind just being a manager, it creates all sorts of different. Uh, avenues for connection so i think you've got some real skills based stuff for managers um that an employer can introduce and i think you've also got that manager supporting themselves so you know one they then feel able to support that classic put your own life mask on or whatever before you before you put the others on and just developing your own sort of empathic range i guess to um to be able to resonate with other people's experiences yeah you cannot begin to look after anyone else if you're not looking after yourself. Uh, I think about that on a kind of regular basis. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, one of the things that we've done is um, we work with an organisation called The Living Leader, and we put all our kind of managers through that through that training, all our leaders in the organisation. And, you know, a lot of these ideas that you're talking about or that we've experienced having been through frameworks and tr- and training like I just mentioned, a lot of these ideas are really simple, right? Being a good listener, asking good questions, but are really, really hard. And it's this amazing duality, which is like actually being silent and being a great listener might sound really, really simple, but to do it really, really well is actually really difficult. Yeah, well, that, that's why it's not happening essentially across the board and I don't just mean in the workplace I mean just in society right like the world would be a better place if we could have more dialogue and and we don't have it right people don't feel able to speak up and others definitely don't know how to listen so yeah this is it's across the board it's there's a lot of uh, unlearning to do you know there's a lot of stripping back to do never mind uh, learning a new skill um yeah agreed Love that. Back to the basics. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're trying to chew on this topic of how do we um, how do we get our team talking more about their mental health and and, we, and we've we've looked there at how to make sure managers are well equipped and there's some really nice tangible stuff in there. I want to look at how you change the culture within an organisation to be better prepared and to feel like these types of conversations are are normal and are encouraged. Um, how do you support when you at Sanctus go in and work with an organisation? How do you support them through that kind of culture change? Yeah, on, on two levels, really, I think. Um, and, and, the, and the sort of the mental health movement, right, in an organization can be started i believe actually at any level it could be a grassroots movement started by your sort of anyone in the organization genuinely anyone with an experience and with a passion to advocate mental health or it can be started right at the top you know board level founder ceo whoever um so so just just to look at both for a second i think on um on your grassroots level i genuinely believe anyone can be a mental health advocate at work or anyone can advocate for change and just show up in a certain way with a passion 
and for mental health. And that can genuinely start to ripple throughout the organisation. Typically, every company has mental health advocates, whether they know that they're mental health advocates or not. And, um, you know, they're the kind of people that just seem, everyone seems to open up to. And um, they're the kind of people that just, you know, um, they're just typically maybe a bit more open or they're happy to share a certain experience or naturally, um, you know, be a little bit perhaps more vulnerable um, on a day-to-day basis than others. And I think um, if you can sort of galvanise that and you can start to do stuff like, you know, you can do lunch and learns, you can get people to come in and share their story, you could do internal storytelling events, you can create a Slack channel where people talk about mental health. These are all free, they're all easy to do. You can do like documentary club where you're, you know, you watch a different mental health documentary each week and or a book club or whatever. This isn't like big strategic stuff. Um, but I think the way I see it is like you're, you're creating the soil, right? You're literally getting your hands in the soil and you're like creating the soil and making it fertile. Now, now to do anything that's um, sustained and long term, eventually you are going to need like leadership buy-in in, in, in some level. It needs to be sponsored by ideally the CEO or by leadership. And then you can start planting the seeds and, and, and things can start to grow. Um, and then on a, yeah, because then on a top level, e- even if you've got that grassroots advocation by a large proportion of your employee base to uh, change that culture and just, and just let it to spread like wildfire, essentially, if leadership are closed off to the conversation about mental health, you're just going to hit a glass ceiling just naturally, because at the end of the day, you know, leadership are who they set the cultural tone of the organization, they role model the values of the organization. Um, and yeah, they, they say what's kind of right and wrong, really. It's like what's accepted here. So leadership have got a big role to play in uh, creating permission. Um, and by, yeah, by sort of just showing up in a certain way that then again, it gives permission for um, for others uh, to, to kind of show up similarly, essentially. I mean, we've, um, and we'll often do, we'll often leverage both the grassroots thing, you know, kind of grassroots movements and uh, the sort of top-down buy-in. Like when we'll partner with an organisation, we'll often do, we'll do a launch event. We'll encourage the CEO or a leader in the business to kind of share a bit of their mental health story uh, and tie it into why it's relevant to the organization often tied into maybe a people objective or tied into a certain value of the company um, and then we'll share our story and we'll create a space for people to ask questions um, and and yeah I think and then at the end of the day eventually it'll come down to leadership and making certain decisions and um, you know deciding to spend money on mental health support decided to spend money on mental health training, deciding to make changes in the organisation that maybe feel more conducive to uh, people's well-being or giving them more flexibility or whatever it might be. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to try and say because every company is so different, but it's just about it being held at like a top level where there's enough sort of advocation and enough care about mental health that when there's a certain decision being made, let's say about returning to work, as a very obvious example right now, people are thinking about mental health as part of that. Just like you'd think about, you know, money, or you'd think about 
performance. It's just like, okay, well, if we force everyone to come back to the office tomorrow, how how are people going to feel, right? How are people going to feel about being forced to get a tube or to travel? We know that, you know, we know that some people are, are more anxious towards around their health or whatever, just be, just having that compassion and being aware. Um, so I think you've got the grassroots, which can get to a certain point um, in terms of adoption and changing that culture and creating the fertile ground. But then eventually you just need leadership to really take it and lead essentially and, and create a culture of permission. You ever have pushback from leaders, from CEOs, from founders who say, this isn't a problem in our organisation? No, because I think if someone feels like that, you're unlikely to even be in the room with them. Um, so I've never heard that because if I'm on a, just from my experience with scientists, if, if we're in the room with someone, they're open. So it's unlikely for me to be in the room with someone who's completely closed off to mental health because they won't even be in the room, right? It's like, so it's hard for me to get in a room with someone who's like, I don't think this is important. I mean, I would love to be in the room with someone who says they don't think it's important because because we could have a dialogue and we could talk about it um, and I could get really animated and, and we'd have a sick conversation probably about what makes them feel like that or, you know, what's their experience of mental health that might be leading to that. And um, so it's rare for us to actually be at, yeah, be in conversation that are opposed to thinking mental health is important. Um, you know, typically for us to start to go on that journey with the company, there's a readiness you know, mm. there's a readiness. They, they want to be in the room. They want to change something. Typically there's probably been a, been been a couple of events that have maybe triggered it or, or led to, to them wanting to start their journey in some way there might be someone that's been signed off sick or um you know there's been a there's been an engagement survey and, and a lot of the team have mentioned mental health or something like that it's usually been some sort of event which is a kick-started them to want to get involved but no is the answer because yeah if, if that's yeah if that's where you're at with your mental health then you, you just you're not going to want to be in the room really so I'm sure that if you were in the room with that person, you'd go happily toe-to-toe with them and convincing them that you know mental health is something that they should be paying attention to within their organisation. But summarise for me in a few words what the crux of your argument would be to the, to the naysayer. And who knows, we might have one of them listening right now. So this, yeah, is, your, yeah. this is your opportunity to turn someone around. I wouldn't want to go straight in toe to toe because it doesn't work in mental health, right? If we if if we were selling, um, you know, if I was selling tables or office furniture, I'd go toe to toe. I said the best office furniture you're going to get, right? And I'd list out all the reasons and the benefits. But I think with mental health, it you know everyone's got everyone. Everyone has. We all have mental health, right? Everyone's got a relationship. They've got life experiences, trauma whatever it might be so everyone's got experiences so you know if if I was in a room with someone that just said look I don't think this is don't think this is an issue I'm not bothered about it I'd, I'd want to know more actually <laughs> so rather than going toe-to-toe at, at a fight <laughs> I'd want to I'd want to understand like I'd want to understand their perspective their experience personally ideally to be honest with you because that's where all of this is typically rooted in um you know, it's in your own personal experience with your own men- mental health. It could be family related, friends, experiences, who knows? So I'd probably want to know more. And then, yeah, and then obviously if if it if it did come down to sort of pitching it, um, I think for, for you 
know, for business owners, for for business leaders, founders, CEOs, in terms of the commercial conversation around mental health, I think you're mainly looking at um, what what's mental health costing you right now, because it will be costing you something. Um, and I think there are you know there are certain ways you can calculate that cost. You can you can look at how how much time are your are your current managers or employees spending on conversations around mental health. Um, and I think if you tally that up, it's often costing a lot more than you'd expect. Even probably if you just looked at the time spent of your HR team or your HR director. So I think there's just a co- you know just a cost analysis there on how much poor mental health is costing your organisation. From an opportunity standpoint, you know, I think I'd reference what are your competitors doing, what's um, what's the rest of the market doing. I think mental health offerings, just like health and wellbeing offerings, are becoming a standard for um, this kind of you know your new wave of employees. Um, you know, I think eventually it's kind of what's your mental health offering as opposed to like oh you've got one. You know, I think it's like no, what is it? Because I'm not working somewhere that's not got one um especially for your for the younger generation probably um so i think you know you've got employee engagement candidate attraction uh, attraction um just your employer brand um first and foremost and then you know that's not even bringing in the sort of just the human the human side of look this is we're all human showing up to work every day and um yeah we've got stuff going on in our lives that and, and we spend most of our time at work and you know, I just believe from a moral perspective and an ethical perspective, it's it's the right thing to do that employers provide at least some support or space for people to bring that side of themselves to work. Yeah. If you're listening and you and you don't, you know, seriously think about it. Um I completely, completely agree with everything uh James has just said. And so let's round up on I guess, resources and places that you would direct people to educate themselves about understanding mental health in the workplace or even or even managers, you know, great resources out there that can help them think about the right conversations to be having. Where are the, where are the what are the things people should be reading? Where are the sites people should be visiting? What are the things people should be watching? Yeah, that's certainly a bit of a meta answer before I, I will give some sort of more specific practical stuff. I'd just say, um, you know, for, for anyone, just just like just just be curious, and and you know, there's no uh, there's no right or wrong way to get started with your mental health. It's it's like, you know, it's just like with with our physical health, right? You know, you love running ultra marathons, and um, I'm into rowing or going to the gym or playing football or tennis. It's like there's so so many different ways to explore your mental health. So. Just, just follow your curiosity there, and, and usually people intuitively know what they what they might be interested in. You know, your your, your obvious stuff is yoga, meditation, journaling, uh, therapy, coaching as, as the sort of your, your ways in. Perhaps so I just encourage people to sort of delve into those, and um, just on a personal because that'll build up your own sort of your own personal range. Um, practical stuff. Um, again, I think you know social media is getting so many more people started to share and talk about talk about mental health like you know you start to follow a couple of people and other people crop up um you know me and the sanctus team we share a load on linkedin i, I definitely reference us we write a really good newsletter which i genuinely think is great about how you how anyone can be a mental health advocate at work um so sign up to that 
Um, anyone else? I think you've got, you know, you've got your standards. You've got like Simon Sinek, Brenny Brown, Esther Perel, um, these kind of like thought leaders around mental health. Um, I noticed like for most people, once they delve into the mental health world, like they can't unsee it. It's just everywhere. It's, you know, like <laughs> everything suddenly becomes about mental health, which, which can be a bit problematic actually. But um, yeah, to start delving in. Um, nice. You know, you've got Matt Haig for, for, for some of the, again, some books that are out there, Fern Cotton podcast, even Joe Wicks, who's starting to talk about mental health more on his podcast. So there's just a sea of mental health content. I, I don't want to be too prescriptive because I think it's better for people to just gently go into it and then let it come to them, really, and just pick and choose um, from what's out there. Amazing. There you go. You know, we often talk about some of the negative uh, connotations and, and effects that social media can have on your mental health, but there's clearly also a ton of great content out there um, and great people that, you know, you can go and follow and, and start to absorb and, and start to be- become part of the conversation. Um, and with that, we have to bring today's episode to a close. I need to say a huge thank you to James for joining us today. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. You are um, wise and very energizing uh, whenever I talk to you on this subject. So really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. We'll do it again soon. Um, And as ever, I need to thank Mel, our producer behind the virtual glass, for keeping this show on the road. To all of you listening along, uh, wherever you are, we really, really appreciate you. Remember, if you've got an issue you'd like us to discuss, please drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter and we are at Join Charlie. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast. Mm-hmm.